This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm at Agile 2017 and sitting down with Heidi Helfand. Heidi, you're busy writing a book, Dynamic Reteaming. But isn't that wrong? We want stable teams. That, that's one of the almost fundamentals of Agile today is stable teams. Yeah, I think it's really a forgotten aspect of Agile. You know, we say we're okay with requirements changing, but somehow teams got left out of that. And, you know, no matter what you think, people are going to come and go from our teams. They're going to come and go from our companies. So team change is real. We might as well get good at it. So what does it take to become good at reteaming? Well, I think first it's the acknowledgement that our teams do change. And they change for different reasons. So I've interviewed people from, so I have personal experience with this topic. For the past 17 years, I've been at two very successful startups as an early employee. So team change was, is very real when you're the 10th employee and you witness and are part of a company growing to 600, 700 people. So that first company I was at, I was actually I was number 15. I left at 700. We invented GoToMeeting and GoToWebinar. So there was a lot of team change. In the second startup, I was employee number 10. I left when there were 600, company called Appfolio. And we doubled in size in our engineering department more than once. We became a very successful company and went public in 2015. Since then, I've, I've left there and I'm part of another fast-growing company as an engineering director called Procore Technologies. So I firsthand experienced that you know teams change. And you can get good at it, when, especially when your teams double in size. There are skills that you can learn and then I've interviewed lots of other people you know from different companies and the stories are in the book and you know there's you know like one of the most common team change patterns especially when growth is the reason that your teams are changing is, is mitosis teams grow big and then they split it's a natural things that thing that happens and we yeah. can hear stories in different companies so when I see something and hear about it three times I consider it a pattern in the book mm-hmm. and there's patterns related to growth mm-hmm. when your companies grow Also due to attrition, Mm -hmm. you know, layoffs are part of this conversation or when people leave your team, Mm -hmm. you know, company growth, company attrition, sometimes we have new work that drives a team change or Mm -hmm. it could be a personal reason. Like Mm -hmm. I want to change teams because I want to learn something new Mm -hmm. or I want to work with this other person. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's many different reasons why. And so the book Mm -hmm. goes through many different stories and examples. Mm -hmm. But then if we talked about, you know, your question, like, well, how do we get good at this? And there's different ways that you can approach that. And so the workshop I'm doing on Thursdays is about that. And so like if you have one new person join your team, and let's say they're brand new to your company, there are different onboarding techniques that you can get good at. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing pair programming and mentorship when a new person joins, you can help them get up to speed. You know, Hunter Industries, they do mob programming. I have stories about them in the book. You know, when you integrate a new person onto your team and your team, you know, does software development in a group with mob programming, it's easier to kind of fold people in. Mm-hmm. If you bring someone in, onto your team and you put them in a cubicle over there and they're in charge of this part of the software and they have a mentor on the other side of the building but they're really kind of left alone to fend for themselves, that's not very helpful. So there are things that we can do to make that easier involving more collaboration. And then also when people leave your company, let's mm-hmm. say you have a team member that leaves. 
And maybe they, you know, you knew the area of responsibility that they had or maybe the projects that they worked on, let's say, but maybe they were the person that was like the glue person on the team, the person that always brought the team together to move the work forward. That might get lost. So having conversations about, you know, when Joe leaves the team or leaves the company, what's leaving with him besides that generic job area? Mm -hmm. So there are specific activities that we can do. Mm -hmm. Those are a few things. We hear you know, Tuckman's model of team formation, form, storm, norm, form. Are we always back into forming and storming? That's a really good question. Actually, you know, Tuckman's model, forming, storming, norming, performing, I actually think there's a, a missing level in his model, which is stagnating when you keep a team together for too long and people aren't too enthused or interested in being a part of working together or maybe the work. You know, so that leads to changing teams due to fulfillment. But to your question, are we always storming or are we always forming and storming and norming? And there are techniques that you can do to build companies beyond the single team level. Mm -hmm. Like if you have an organization, for example, that works with like squads and tribes, so you have different squads or teams and they're clustered into groups called a tribe, you can cultivate relationships across that tribe through social activities, through sports, through uh, having potlucks where the people get to know each other. And then when you switch teams, some of that forming and storming could have already occurred. So you've already built kind of a baseline social relationship. Then when we switch teams, we're not strangers with each other. We already have some sort of relationship. Maybe we've shared hobbies and interests with each other. John Whitmore wrote a book, Coaching for Performance, which has a chapter on team coaching, which has a lot of ideas about that kind of building the communities. We might also have communities of practice in our organizations and guilds. So what can we do to mix up the people so the greater group community gets to know each other, and then when we switch teams, it's less of a big deal. Now, I'm not saying go bust up all your teams and switch at a very high rate. There are business decisions to be made about the rate of reteaming. So a company might make a deliberate decision to grow really fast and build the company, You know, maybe in the cases where, where you're doubling your teams. It's a very deliberate business decision, and you can get good at that, such as if I hire 10 people and they're going to arrive next Thursday, i got to get these teams ready, i got to be organized and ready to receive these people and I can do several things like kind of like a load balancing if I get 10 new people maybe I want to spread them across you know, 10 different teams. So it's more of a reteaming at the edges. If I get one new person added across 10 different teams, sure, it's a wave in the system because we have all these new people, but we kind of spread the load, match people with mentors, help them get up to speed with pair programming, for example, and then we can kind of move on. It doesn't even have to be programming. They could be doing other roles, but they each have a mentor. They're not alone. And we work on, you know, helping the new person feel a sense of belonging. So when, you know, depending on the type of reteaming that it is and the scope of it, you can apply different techniques. So if it is, you know, one person in, one person out, there's a set of techniques. If it's 20 people arrive next Thursday, I've dealt with that situation more than once, you have to get a little bit more formal. And, you know, you have to address the people formally, you have to know where they're going, you have to prime everyone. You know, Patrick Lencioni says you got to communicate the messages seven times for anyone to really know what's going on. We don't want to surprise people by these waves in the system, but we can get good at this stuff.
you know, and then there's also techniques to learn, you know, when people leave. So it's not always the addition of people. It's sometimes, you know, when people leave. I've been involved in different layoff situations in which maybe, all right, we're going to tell you in a, in a few weeks R&D how your team is impacted. And everybody's worried and waiting for three weeks, it, you know. So, you know, how can we do that a little bit better and with a more humanistic stance to, to kind of lessen that, that time and kind of lessen the worry of the people? Um, so depending on... On kind of the the scope here. Then there's other techniques that, and and great books that that you can leverage for getting good at. When let's say the people all know each other and they're on different teams, but then they all form a new team. Let's say you have new work coming coming in. You have a new product line. So maybe the people knew each other socially because you did some team building activities before. But then they have to get in touch with what the work is. So there's a you know a book called Lift Off that goes through project chartering. So the people already know each other. You don't really need to work on that area so much but maybe you focus on getting ramped up with the work so there's a book called liftoff uh, that I recommend for that how does this work with distributed teams distributed teams so that's a reality for many workplaces and I think when let's say you have a team that's together right now then you have a new team member that comes aboard and that person is in a different office location. I think most definitely planning for that and having a buddy on the local team to manage the remote person's presence is really important. So when they have any regular meetings or events, this person, and it can be a rotating role, just make sure that that other person is not forgotten and that that person is connected. And ideally, we get really good at projecting the person on video. So if you have a meeting, you should be able to see everyone in the room to be as inclusive as possible, try to level the playing field. So you want to have the person's video projected on the screen. In fact, I'm attending a meeting later today, and I already made some plans for myself to set it up so I'm visible in the room and I have my video on the wall because it's important to me to, to be as present as possible. And it's hard with being remote. And so we can do things like that. And we can also do things where you don't need an expensive robot that is remote control and travel around the room if you're remote we've done things where you know we take a laptop maybe an extra laptop that we have and we set it up with with some kind of video device where that person can be at a desk where someone can walk up to them so there's stories in the book actually about setting up environments like that so we really want to try to level the playing field the other thing we want to do is kind of realign if there's any time zone issues we want to realign when if it's an existing team and the new person that joins is remote we want to make sure that the the timing makes sense for everyone's schedules and kind of readjust. So there's some new team formation kind of checklists we can uh, deploy to get the communication conventions down and to be as inclusive as we can. So they're not getting up at 2 a.m. for the daily stand-up. Yeah, that, that might be a little challenging, yeah. <laughs> Unless they choose that, you know, which is another matter. You know, the teams can have choice and... Um, you know, but we can go through different things and, you know, what our communication preferences, what is our workflow. We visualize our workflow. Sometimes when teams change, it really feels like a new team. So if the composition changes, like, let's say if it's a reteaming at the edges, it's like one person in or one person out. It might feel like the team is still the same as before. Maybe the team has the same name. But if you have a team and maybe three team members leave and you get three new team members, it feels a little bit different in, in such that maybe the team identity feels different. Like, we need to rebrand our team. We need a new team name because the composition is so different. So the techniques that we employ to make reteaming easier depends on the scope of the reteaming. 
One of the challenges is team culture. How do you make that persistent when people change? And that's a theme that has come up in the book. You know, I've been a part of two companies where I was on the first team. And we love these companies. And as they grow, we add more people. And it starts to feel different. How can we maintain our culture as we grow? You know, we feel on the first team that... You know, this, our heart and soul is in these companies, and we really believe in the approaches that we use. And as more and more people are added, it, it does start to feel different. One of the stories that, one of the activities that I do for this situation, I did it actually at the company I'm at right now, Procore, with, with one of the teams, is just acknowledging our history and our past. What is the story of our team? And so we do a timeline activity in which we get the team together, and we have them, okay, stand up and order yourself in terms of when you join the company. So we can see who the early people are visually in the room and who the newer people are. And we say, okay, we have a paper on the wall, we draw a line, we're going to write a time, make a timeline of the significant events that have happened in the, in the growth of our company. And so wherever you are in this timeline, talk about, put the year on there, and any significant events. So we co-create this big timeline. And then we tell the story of our team, starting with the early people to the people that just joined. I mean, I had it starting with people that started four years ago in the company to people that started like the la in the last month. Mm -hmm. And so everybody gets to hear this kind of story, and we have a discussion about the story of our team. And it helps to integrate new team members with team members that have been there for a long time but the other point that I debrief on is that this is our team now this is our company mm -hmm. even if we started in the very beginning and even if we started last month so somehow we have to acknowledge who we are where we've come from and and like talk about this mm -hmm. because it's not easy when teams change the we were talking about mitosis when teams grow big and split it's highly emotional mm -hmm. sometimes to even make the decision to split I talked to Rachel Davies who's a coach at unruly in London and she told me the story about a team split, and it was a very emotional team split because it was the first team. Sometimes when it's the first team, it's the most difficult first team in a company. And the, the team baked a cake, and it was their breaking of the fellowship cake. And it kind of Lord of the Rings-inspired reference, and, and they marked it with a cake. And you know then the teams developed new names. And so there's definitely things that come up that are emotional, that deal with team identity. And there's this recurring need. It's, you know... It, even was talking to people at Hunter about this where they have the first mob and we want the principles that think like we believe in like we, we, we feel such strong love and belief in, in the ways that we develop our software and we want other people to know these and employ them as well and so there's this tension of respecting the past and sharing what works well for us and then integrating the new people and the new ideas as well so there's I think kind of a healthy tension so you know fostering discussions about this is a good idea. Where can people get the book and what's happening with it? The book is almost 90% complete. It's on LeanPub. It's called Dynamic Reteaming, The Art and Wisdom of Changing Teams. It's about 90% complete. And yeah, you can find it there. Heidi, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much.